some random person from the mm -hmm. crowd who was actually in this like pretty popular country like alt country band yeah came up and sang with me and like i was in my boots and my hat and afterwards i stood up and i was talking to him and they said well i i didn't know what they called you big al and until i saw you stand up and i was like the character is working. <laughs> the character is working too well. It's believable. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Psychoactivision Presents. I'm your host, Peter Strickland, and we're excited to have another interview for you today. Uh, before we get started, I wanted to ask that if you're watching on YouTube, Please like this video, subscribe to our Psychoactivision YouTube channel. We've got a playlist with all of our uh, interviews on there. We've got playlists with our visuals, music videos we've made, all sorts of content that you can peruse. Uh, aside from that, you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Psychoactivision. For today's guest, uh, I've got someone who I've actually been in a band with before, which I don't think we've done that on the podcast yet. Uh, it's pretty, pretty fun to have someone that you've actually been in the trenches with. And uh, I'm excited to interview him today. Alex Wilkerson. <laughs> it's nice to have you here, dude. I know you're, uh, I, I, I know, I'm sorry. I do the clapping just because like, I, I try to give it a big intro and then, you know, there's this kind of anticlimactic, the whole thing, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cheering for myself too. Thank you, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Nice, yeah. You're uh, here in town from Bisbee, Arizona, which is your new home place. Have you been enjoying that? Yeah, it's been really cool. It's, uh, you know, it's been like um, really eye-opening, really uh, felt a lot of, like a real good opportunity for growth. Experienced a lot of things I don't think I would have if I had stayed in Birmingham. Not at all. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I mean, we're going to get into, sorry, I kind of jumped the gun on that. We're going to get into more about Bisbee and just kind of like the difference, you know, that you've experienced uh, and all that. But first, I did want to give you the opportunity if you have anything you want to promote, like where people can find you on social media or music that you have out that you want people to listen to. Yes. Um, if you go to the internet at a Spotify or whatever, Alex Wilkerson, uh, my newest uh, release up from here, you're going to want to listen to Psychic Vampire. You're going to want to listen to Shit Coffee. You're going to want to listen to the other songs that are on there that I definitely remember the names of. And uh, keep on the lookout because I'm going to be putting out some other stuff next year. Awesome. Are you already uh, recording that stuff or are you the, planning the recording process? Planning the recording process. Gotcha. I mean, honestly, that is really important. Um, writing is something that you do, you know, like by yourself most of the time or a lot of times, I guess in your case, you do a lot of writing by yourself. But at the actual like getting the you know people together and all of the right the studio or wherever you know you're going to record sometimes that's even harder than the actual like process of recording is like the logistical stuff of uh but in the past you've had the advantage i guess of working with friends because uh josh jackson helped you make uh up from here right yeah josh uh, i recorded it with josh at his house in his apartment nice yeah it was uh it was great it was uh you know, he's a really, really good dude. I, I absolutely, I mean, he was my roommate for, you know, two years and uh, we were really close. He was one of those people that 
um, always had something uh, wise to say about pretty much, I mean, it, it didn't have to be like, you know, uh, groundbreaking uh, advice or anything, but I, I, I always knew that like, if I spoke to Josh about like whatever kind of issue I was having, whether it was like a creative issue or like a life issue, he would have uh, some perspective that I had not had not really thought of before. So yeah, no, it, well, and he also helped us record whenever we were in Wilk together. Yeah. Uh, he helped us record those demos, which I actually just revisited those recently. And dude, it was a uh, it was fun just because like, well, first my mind immediately went to the live experience because we played a lot more live shows right. than we did recording. So like. I, I thought about, you know, all the times at Avondale. I thought about all the times uh, at just, like, house parties. And it's kind of crazy to put myself back in, in the, the shoes of, like, where we were back then. Because we were just kind of, like, I don't know how else to put it. Like, the, the possibilities the possibilities were kind of endless. Yeah. And we were fucking around. We were having fun. And we weren't, like, taking it too seriously. You know, like, that was so much fun. No expectation. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I, uh, and I, I mentioned it in the podcast I did with Jesse. Um it was like those parties, I mean, just six bands just playing for free. And it yep. was just two rip. It was only two rip. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, and it was, uh, looking back on it, there was there's a lot of things I wish that I had done at the, like for those parties. Like uh, these days, for example, I'm really into uh, lighting and like visual aspects. And I know back then we didn't have the resources for this really because it's like expensive. But like, if I could go back, I would buy a cheap projector in college and, uh, and then like do projection visuals or like, you know, play, you know, funky video stuff like while we're playing shows. Cause dude, it would have enhanced the experience so much just to have a visual component back then. But we just didn't think that way. Cause we were like, well, well, that's going to be more for us to love. We just want to go there and have a fun time and party. And, you know, one of the, one of my favorite memories of one of those shows, mm -hmm. um, I don't think Reed could be with us. Reed played bass. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember it's just me and you at this, and they had like a projector. Mm -hmm. And at first I gave them the 1984 Transformers movie to play. Yeah. Um, but it didn't work for whatever reason. So then I just told them like, just look up a Jimmy Buffett live video and put it on in the background. <laughs> and so the whole night we played and we were just, you know, two piece, like hard How do rock. I not remember this? Like, I, well, <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, we did, I guess we did drink a lot of those shows back then. Like, I don't yeah. know, but whatever. Well, I remember like, it was just so funny to like, I remember I kept like turning around and just like worshiping Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> like I was like, <laughs> and I, I love, I, one of my favorite memories Dude, that's that's really fun. I mean, um, some of those house shows. Uh, did you ever do this? Where were you ever in multiple bands that played like at the same party or something like that? Because I had that happen a couple times, and I was like, it it, it was sometimes exhausting because you might be in like the second and the fifth band of the night, and then by the end of the you know by the end of your second set, you're just like, I just want to go home. Yeah, you know, and and even some of those Avondale shows, as fun as it was, it was like a it was a little nerve wracking to have like your, your expensive musical equipment in this bar that wasn't set up for, you know, for shows. So like it, I, I saw it happen several times where there'd be shows at Avondale where, uh, 
people start swaying or moshing or something, and then they run into a musician, you know, who could easily just, you know, fall over with their guitar or they fall into a drum set or something. So it's it's just kind of crazy. I mean, this is like the the worry wart in me coming out right now. But I, but I guess <laughs> the worry wart. But but, but I, I guess the worry wart. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I think what I'm trying. <laughs> I think what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to say is, uh, back then, you know, when, when, when we were younger and everything, I just didn't, you don't really care about that as much because in the moment you're like, right. we just want to play the show. Like that, it was, it was the coolest thing to be able to tell people like I'm playing a show at Avondale, you know, cause that's really the only cool bar that plays like original, has original music played at like in Auburn. But well, and like, you know, I was talking to someone about, um, just how we just had to put it together because like the scene in Auburn is so anti, you know, like original music or anti, like, you know, it's just, it's just a drinking bar scene of Mm -hmm. like, you know, covers, you know, like we, it's, it's amazing. Like just that we just found it and we just put it together because it was, it was like a, it was like a, a conglomerate of people deciding that they just wanted to hear some like original songs and just rip, you know? And like, it wasn't about, you know, um, it, it's just so nice to have that here. And in hindsight, you know, it's, it's so special to think about that it was even here, you know, and it, and it still is somewhere. There's someone around here doing something like that. Oh, for sure. It's a, uh, it's weird. Uh, you know, you're, uh, you, I guess full disclosure because we haven't I haven't talked about this on the podcast yet, but Psychoactivision is now based uh, in Alabama, based back in Auburn, Alabama, instead of Atlanta. With uh, that was a change that came recently. This is our first podcast episode in the new studio. We're still setting it up, as you can tell. It's kind of bare walls and things aren't hung up yet. But uh, it looks great. Well, I mean, thank you. I mean, I, I think it's still a nice setup, but I'm I'm kind of refining it, you know, make it nicer. But uh, with that being said, you know, I'm back in the place I went to college and um, that where we went to college together. And that's where this interview is taking place. It's um, it's weird being like back here because I'm not a college student anymore. I'm not in the know of like where those underground shows or those, you know, and, and obviously I'm not a college student anymore. I would be kind of not necessarily as welcome if I went to those kind of things. It's good that you don't know. It's good yeah. that I don't know. Yeah. Well, but I think here's what I was going to say is that this area while it doesn't have you know the kind of like the kind of venues the kind of shows or anything that like birmingham atlanta you know places like that uh have what they do have is like the people that are here like you were saying that you know are into good music or original music um they're pretty dedicated to it it's not you know like like for example josh is a great example yeah, of just absolutely. somebody who he he's from opelika he doesn't necessarily he doesn't strike me as someone who's like wanting you know to get to a big city necessarily it, like he understands in that in the modern world you can live in a place like this and make great music and it's you know it's comfortable it's cheaper it's uh i, I don't know I, I, you know to compare it um you uh, moved to Bisbee, Arizona, which is a pretty small place. Like, uh, is how, what, do you know the population? Or it's I'm just five thousand. I was about to say, I'm pretty sure it's pretty small. But it's interesting, just because for you though, it seems that like the fact that Auburn is not like a big bustling city was not the problem. It was that you were like, it's the culture and the people, or the lack of culture. So is that am I kind of reading that right? Or well, you know. 
Or I, mean, or I guess from like Birmingham as well, because that's a bigger city, but you moved from there to a small place, I guess, looking for something more unique. Is that correct? Or Yeah, I guess to some extent. I I think that I think that you know, that's that's a lot to unpack. Sorry, uh, I, I, oh, I no, gave you a I, lot uh, in that one question. Um I guess it's like uh it's not really about the culture. I, I think a a big value of Bisbee and a big a good a a reason that I'm there is that there's so many different types of people who have been everywhere and they all have stories from everywhere. I think anyone uh, gains value from moving away. Yeah. Um, but I also think that like the Birmingham music scene is like really cool, you know? And I think it was really cool then. And like going to Bisbee, I guess just felt like some higher guided thing that I wasn't really, I didn't really have like a full plan or like, an, but it, it just, it just drew me in mm-hmm. and it, a lot of people that moved to Bisbee have similar stories about Bisbee drawing them in. Um, and sometimes they're as simple as my car broke down here. And other times they're as complex as, you know, um, this band, me and my band were passing through here and like stayed on top of the mountain and like, you know, just like, there's like, I mean, for example, I was talking about how I was, I'm probably not going to go anymore, but my intention was to go to Japan in September. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned that to you. No, I don't think you've mentioned it yet. Uh, but they're not opening their borders yet. Mm. Um, so I can't actually go. <laughs> so I'm going to have to like push it back. Mm-hmm. But I know a guy in Bisbee who knows people in Tokyo to get me shows in Tokyo. Wow. And like, wh- how does that happen mm-hmm. in a town of 5,000 people? You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, uh, it, like you said, it, I've heard, uh, people talk about it on podcasts even because, uh, I mentioned this to you in a conversation a few months ago, but I listen to a lot of comedy podcasts and a lot of people talk about Doug Stanhope and he's like the one, you know, Bisbee's unofficial mayor. Well, I mean, he, he's like, uh, I've heard him talk about even like Bisbee and it, he doesn't even fully understand. Like you kind of said, like why he's like, it just had like a, some kind of mystical quality or had some kind of thing that I, that he was yearning for that he maybe didn't even realize that he was looking for. And, and, and I do think, uh, I've gained a lot just from being in a, a place that small and remote. There's a certain level of appreciation for things. I mean, I'll say like, I never appreciated the nature here yeah. until I left, yeah. you know, and you, just seeing the value in every place, you know, beyond like um, generalities, uh, beyond like, like I feel like such a a close connection to nature that I didn't have before. And I, mm-hmm. I have such a close like connection to the natural world, I feel like. And it, I didn't take it for granted. Yeah. Took it for granted. And I think for a lot of people post COVID, that was it, right? And and I think that that's happening in a lot of music scenes too. Mm-hmm. Making music scenes more dynamic is people realizing what they had and what they didn't have and being okay with it. Yeah. You know, like I feel like there's just like I didn't have a washer or a dryer for a while. I remember, I remember you told me that. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and, and you know, like, I don't know, like 
there's one, the nearest Walmart is 20 miles away. Mm -hmm. You know, there is a local grocery store there and it's terrible. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like, but there's a lot of local businesses that are much better, but there's this like one grocery store that knows, you know, they're the only grocery store in this town of 5,000 that's... So they charge a lot for... Yeah. yeah. I mean, just like crazy prices, you know, like mm -hmm. a real food desert, <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. like, and, uh... It's it's just uh, you learn to, I mean it's so slow there too. Everything moves at a much slower pace. Mm -hmm. Like I'm tired out being out here on the East Coast. It's like an East Coast vibe almost. But like I know it's not. I know that all the West Coast isn't calm. But it's like this like you know they call it Bisbee time. Mm -hmm. It's just everyone's late. And there's like, <laughs> nice. There's no like true like like no one is ever. If you say four, you're you're thinking four fifteen. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's yeah. busy time. You That's know? fun. And uh, yeah, it's it it um it changes your perspective, and I'm glad it, it changed mine. You mm -hmm. know, um, and yeah, dude, that's awesome. I mean, I um. Uh... I mean, backtracking to when we were in Wilk together, uh, it's a fun memory. I remember at one point you wanted to change the name of Wilk to Bisbee. <laughs> and, or I think, I don't know if you wanted to call it Bisbee, Arizona, or just Bisbee. And this is before you'd ever been there. And I remember uh, at the time we were like, I don't understand. Like, and, and I think maybe now that you've moved there, in hindsight, it maybe was a good thing that we didn't change the band name to Bisbee because I feel like if you had a band named Bisbee and you moved to Bisbee, people would be like, what is, what is I this? What is do. Okay, well, oh man. Well, I'm saying, but wait, there's people in Bisbee with a band named Bisbee? I mean, no, I'm saying uh, I did form a band called Bisbee in Birmingham. That's right, my bad. Okay, sorry, sorry. And then I do tell people that I had a band called Bisbee and people go, what? That's trippy. And I'm like... Yeah, That's Bisbee, funny. I had a band called Bisbee in Birmingham, and people go, okay. <laughs> but, like, you know, like, uh, Bisbee is, like, a, it attracts people, and, like, it's, they, they call it self-flushing, too. Uh, it's a community where if, if you're a, a, just an asshole, people make you leave. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, eventually, you are just sent out you know yeah. and it either accepts you or it doesn't yeah and it like and that sounds so weird and tribal but it really is like a small town you know yeah. like you gotta like and you know there are there are assholes there like there are assholes anywhere you know but there's like more of a like expectation that they don't allow certain things yeah and they don't and and they're not going to you know and they're gonna they're gonna be they're very vocal about it Bisbee Facebook is like insane. There's a Bisbee Facebook page, there's three, and they're insane. You know, people just getting all pissed about all kinds of crazy mm -hmm. things and like going back and forth at each other and like, well, I know this about you, you know, and it's like, whew. Yeah. Whew. I'm like, I'm like realizing like, you know, it's, and it's weird too, like, um, being, uh, just like, you get, you, I've learned or felt that it's important to make up because you're just going to see people every day. Mm -hmm. You're just going to see them every single day. Yeah. In fact, people started saying, I noticed say this thing where they're like, I'll probably see you tomorrow because you probably will. Yeah. And it's a, uh, it's weird. I mean, I've lived in really, really small communities before where uh, you do 
every day just walking to where you usually walk or driving to where you usually drive, you see the same people. And it was uh, sometimes a little uncomfortable, you know, like if, because uh, it would sometimes you have like, you would see someone you went on a date with best friend or, you know, and you're like, oh, I don't want to run into that. It's just, it would be, you know, uh, weird, awkward circumstances sometimes. Yeah. I mean, and so I'm thankful, I guess, you know, to, but even in community with like a hundred thousand people that live there though, you can still run into the same people all the time. So, well, you know, I've been having some awkward situations like that, but I guess the thing I, I think about with those people, with those situations is like, well, I love Bisbee and I hope, you know, like, and they love Bisbee mm-hmm. and we're still cool. You know, I want to keep it yeah. simple for Bisbee. Yeah. No, I know, understand. In a way that like, and like, not always great at it. You know, <laughs> Bisbee like has a way of making people like antsy, mm-hmm. you know, too. That's another thing. I mean, mm-hmm. there's like people who just like, I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, there is a pretty good amount of, like, mental illness and, like, people who, like, just kind of lose it out there. And I don't know, like, I mean, I guess that's true anywhere, but I guess in a rural setting, it's, like, weird to see how direct it is and how, Mm -hmm. like, uh, hard it is um, on people out there. I mean, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, do you think it has anything to do with, like, uh, the desert setting? Like, is that... So it was a mining town, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a pit that they dug into the ground, uh, probably like a mile deep, maybe not a mile deep. I'd like, <laughs> be crazy. That'd be crazy. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. but there's this huge. They, it's a huge canyon thing. Yeah. It's called the Lavender Pit. Mm-hmm. They just dug it. I think that, like, to a certain extent, when you take nature like that and you take advantage of it, there's like an environment of uncertainty and like anxiety. Yeah, like, no, I understand. And there's also a lot of like, I mean, it's a, it was a copper mining, you know, copper mining and they have a lot of turquoise, you know, they mm-hmm. have a lot of these minerals that are very like conductive mm-hmm. and, and also a lot of ghosts. There's a lot of ghosts there. Uh, there's like a lot of ghost tours and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like there's ghosts in, uh, you know, ghosts. Uh, one time a tourist came up to me and they said, uh, so are they real? And I said, are what real? And they said, the ghosts. Do you think the ghosts are real? And I was like, am I just your... That, that's a weird thing, too, is the tourism kind of brings out this, like, you're like a character to some people. Mm-hmm. I've seen... I've had so many people film me, and it, it will be Interesting. like... It will be like, usually when I'm playing music, mm-hmm. but I've also just been walking around the street, and people are like, you know, see see me, and like, have me in the film, and I'm like... I'm just like a bit actor for your Bisbee trip, you know. But, yeah, and people treat it that way to some extent too. Like I know, I know people like, <laughs> I know a dude who, uh, one time we're just out, just um, standing outside of this uh, restaurant, and some tourists walked by, and he just started dancing real weird, you know. He just had a freaking dance all of a sudden, and I was like. What are you doing? <laughs> it's just like a weird place. So yeah. there'll be some quirky people in there. You yeah. Know? Uh, and that's that's weird. That brings out another energy that I don't really understand. Like the tourist that visits a remote desert town mm-hmm. and is looking for ghosts. Looking for ghosts. Yeah, that is strange. Uh, and it's pretty, you know, it's pretty far south. I mean, because it's really close to the border. So it's interesting that they would go there. There's a lot of... There's a lot of people obsessed with ghosts. That's like their whole their whole thing. Um, 
I want to get off Bisbee for a second and talk about, uh, I kind of just want to talk about the, you know, the music that you've made over the past couple years and then maybe like what's coming next. Um, I, I really like, uh, Wilk more or less was, you know, like, cause, uh, songwriting wise was mostly, you know, your, I mean like, but, but I guess what I'm saying is that's what I'm comparing it to is, uh, like going from like Wilk to, uh, up from here. I, uh, I really like just that I can see like a maturity, a growth there, not only lyrically, but in terms of, uh, songwriting in terms of like structure and everything. Um, I would definitely say that, uh, my favorite song is probably vacation. It's the one that gets like stuck in my head the most, but I mean, generally speaking, what's cool is I've known you long enough and I've seen you, uh, in various forms, you know, with a band or solo play these, like those songs. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, I, I mean, I, I saw you live in Atlanta solo playing, uh, at uh, Smith's old bar. Mm-hmm. I don't really know where I'm going with this. It's not really as much of a question. It's more of just kind of my commentary on just kind of like my experience of see- going from the perspective of being in a band with you to watching you do things more, um, kind of as like a solo artist. And, uh, I just really, I think that you're on a good, trajectory and i kind of want to know what where things are going next if you if you know oh, oh um you know i uh wow yeah like that's once again expansive um my bad yeah no, I'm, not, I'm not really like, good I'm with like, the short questions which I, which I, so like um the big thing i the big thing about doing solo stuff versus doing a band stuff that i has really changed me i guess is the more you play with other people, you're just going to get better, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, I feel like in Bisbee, I've had the opportunity to, like, really just, like, play a lot, you know, and play with my band a lot, but also play with other people a lot and improvise a lot. I mean, we, we host a jam mm-hmm. um, on Wednesdays at this place called The Grand. Um, but it's it's so it's leading me into a place of like i guess like simplicity even like i'm experimenting more with the the newer stuff is going two different directions um i've been writing some country stuff for my band that i just started my country band called big al and the shit kickers i saw that yeah i, I love that name that's awesome yeah and I, I play i mean i play with big al i'm not big al um but <laughs> I see. I see. It's a no. no I totally get it. It's kind of like uh, Hootie and the Blowfish, right? It's like, yeah. <laughs> Who is Hootie? Which one is Hootie? Uh, no. Um, but yeah, no. It's uh, been really fun to play. I've been writing some country songs because it's it the the lyricism is more direct and yeah, uh, it's it's more it's more potent. I would say even yeah for a lot of like heartbreak stuff. But I've also been writing like. Um, on my, uh, on the other hand, a lot of stuff that's a little more psychedelic. Yeah. I, I would say that Bisbee and being out in the desert definitely influences that. Um, but yeah, I, I'm planning on hopefully recording an album in the next few months, like, like we, we were talking about, and uh, getting that out in the spring and actually putting a big push on this next one. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, having, like sending pe- press releases to people and, you know, ch- trying to, you know, just 
give it a go because like this last release I felt like was a big step up for me because you know like for example shit coffee is like people listen to it and Mm -hmm. I like see people listening to it Mm -hmm. and I didn't really promote that yeah you know and so I'm like imagine if I just promoted it you know but it's yeah it's it's exhausting oh it is and I don't have I mean obviously I don't have a team Mm -hmm. but like until I get a team, I got to do something, you know? It is I crazy mean. that these days, um, musicians, in order to, like, actually make it in any way, you pretty much just, like, DIY is not just, oh, I know how to record my music and shit like that. It's, I know how to, I know how to edit videos and photos like, or make uh, logos for my band or my, you know, it. there's a lot that goes into it. And part of what you're talking about, um, I mean... I've never, you know, made a music video for someone who was like on a record label. I guess I mean I made I made one, you know, music videos for people who have their own record label, but not anyone who it's like funded through someone more official. And what's unfortunate is those are more official channels that literally on YouTube, uh, but you know, figuratively the channels of just like going through people who know the higher ups and everything. That's the only way that you're gonna get, you know, your music. I guess kind of more heard is is through press though it really is just kind of like releasing you know singles and having people do write-ups on them the day they're released or releasing music videos and again having it um it's just kind of it's it's really hard it's a lot to have to do but i respect you know people like you a lot that have that do it all you know yeah well Um, i kind of pro i procrastinated releasing the last ep mm -hmm. Like, I got concerned about, um, you know, the album cover and whether or not it was what I, you know. And then, like, I was, I should have just, for now on, my intention is just make it, put it out, make it, put it out. Because yeah. that's what you really got to do. And that's also how you get better. Yeah. You know, it's not like sitting on things. And a, a lot of these songs I've played for so long at this point, And it's like. Now, I've been, like, writing a lot more new material that I know is going to kill. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great to hear. So you mentioned that you have been experimenting kind of with, like, some country sounds. And it's something that I uh, have always thought would fit you, like, fairly well just based on your interests. Because, you know, you really like people like Hank Williams, you know. And so it's kind of like... uh, for uh, for years, I was kind of like Alex. Really seems to like some country music, but um, I guess I wanted to ask you kind of a little bit about you know country music in general. I've only gotten back into listening to you know country kind of music over the past yeah. few months, really, because for years I just couldn't. For whatever reason, as a kid, I had like a huge turnoff to country music where I just thought like I heard some really bad top 20 country and I was like, I fucking hate this. It's never going to get I'm never going to get past it. Um, But some of my favorite stuff is by people who don't actually sing with an accent. It's just stylistically country music. Yeah. Like uh, uh, Buck Owens is is amazing to me because his music was just like. He's like, well, I'm making it from California, but it's it sounds like it, you know, sounds like country music without a country accent. Mm-hmm. When you sing something that is like more of a country style, do you find yourself putting on an accent or do you shy away from that? Uh, you know, it's it's funny that you ask because Big Al has a very strong accent. And Big Al like uh, 
he might he might say like thank you very much mm. and he he may sing with a, a certain level of accent. What's funny is playing in Arizona, like, no one has any idea what a southern accent is supposed to sound like. So, like, I mean, they know, but, like, they, they're not they're not getting that uh, it might be a Texas accent versus an Alabama accent. So some people yeah. will be like, that's a, you got, a, like, an Alabama accent going. And it's like, no. So, like, <laughs> completely, but thank you. Yeah. Because uh, that's the fun of it, you know, is like, uh, but it's, uh, yeah, so I do put I do put it on live. Um, whether or not I do it in the recording remains to be seen. But like, I don't want it. To, I'm already afraid of how big Big Al could be, because like I've already gotten a couple of of situations where, like for example, I was playing this show um, in Bisbee, and it was like the second. Yeah, I guess this no the first time I was playing with. This acoustic, so two acoustic guitars and a fiddle player, this guy mm-hmm. named Ed, who's great. Um, but we're playing this show and, you know, we played some song where um, I think it was, uh, you ain't going nowhere. Uh, it's like, ooh-wee. Yeah, uh, s- some random person from the mm-hmm. crowd who was actually in this, like, pretty popular country, like, alt-country band yeah. came up and sang with me. And like, I was in my boots and my hat, and afterwards I stood up and I was talking to him, and they said, "Well, I I didn't know what they called you, Big Al, until I saw you stand up." And I was like, "The character is working. The character is working too well. It's believable. It's believable." And it's like, wait. What is Big Al doing? <laughs> I feel like now I'm going to see you someday at like one of your shows as Big Al and, and I'm going to be like, that's not Alex. That's that's not. I, I met this guy. There's this other, um, there's this musician out of Tucson called Bortz Menorts. Mm-hmm. And it's just this dude who like does this really cool experimental thing with like, he like screams a bunch and like runs around and he has, and he, his music's really funny. And like, there's like parts where he just acts out like skits and he has a bass that's made out of a uh, ski. It's mm-hmm. a one-string ski bass that he plays. And I met the dude, the the other dude, and he was so different. He was so absolutely different than Bortzman Nortz. I said, you're really Bortzman Nortz? Like, I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. And I get the feeling that could be me. He said, I've been, me and Bortz, you know, we go back 15 years. And then we're talking about characters. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I, uh, I'm i all about people putting on characters. Um, someone that I... Uh, I don't think I've mentioned him on the podcast yet, but the artist who got me back into country is Wheeler Walker Jr. Are you familiar at all? Yeah, but and, that guy steals stuff. Well, in what way, though? Uh, well, like, I, I, think, I think he might... There may be some things where, like, melodically, it's very similar to another song. I could see that. A band I... Uh, I will just say a band I know has uh, played a tour with him, and he took one of their merch ideas, specifically a uh, sperm. I thought you meant like he was a... Uh, sorry, go ahead. Specifically a sperm vinyl. He mm. made a sperm vinyl, and... Uh, yeah, he did make the... Yeah, he did make that. And that's straight up lifted. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, okay, uh, that probably... I can probably, you know... I just feel like I true. have to say. That's uh, fine. Um, I hope he doesn't... 
I, yeah. I totally get it. I totally get it. And you can, uh, well, you know, uh, Wheeler uh, uh, shit talks everybody. But yeah. here, here's why I think he's hilarious. I mean, no, I think he's hilarious. Well, it, it's, it's not even just that he's funny, though. It's that he's genuinely making, when you listen to just the songs, if you don't regard the, the lyrics, it's great country music. Yeah. Like, it, it, from its, like, roots, it's really, really good country music. And he does, like, every style of country you can imagine. Like, stuff that's slower and acoustic, stuff mm-hmm. that's... And I like how he even, uh, he parodies all of the tropes and stereotypes from like modern country. Like, like he made a song a few years ago that I thought was hilarious. It's so inappropriate, but uh, all the songs are where it was trying to make fun of the trope of like a country artist who, uh, you know, they're a few years in their career and they make a song that like, they just had a kid and they make a song where they're like, Oh my son, he's, you know, like basically it's like a ballad to their child. It's just a popular style of thing. And I've seen that for other people besides country, but it's a popular thing for like someone, for a country artist to make like a song about their kid at some point in their career, I guess. So he decides to make a song that's about his son, but it's about how he wants his son to get laid a lot whenever he's older. And, and like, so it's just like, it's really inappropriate because it's like, He's like, his kid's like three and he's talking about how he's like, well, I hope, I hope you end up with a lot of ladies one day. And it's like, but it, it's, it's hilarious and that he's just able to look at all of like the stereotypes that country has and then make a really good version of that song and make fun of it. Um, but anyway, I just like to mention him and see people's reaction. Cause some people I'm sure are like, fuck that guy. I hate him. And, well, I don't, I don't yeah. hate him or anything. I just know that. I've heard this thing about the sperm vinyl, and it, yes. it's, it's like, come on. Uh, well, well, no, I mean, I, I get it, and um, that kind of thing does suck because <sighs> sometimes that that really goes to show you uh, you gotta be careful about who you mention stuff to, or you know, did they already have a sperm vinyl and then he took the idea, or they were on tour with him? Ah, uh, okay, gotcha. They already had a sperm vinyl. I mean, would you both just think of the sperm vinyl? I mean, uh, his music is very dirty. It's 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 very like it. Uh, I'm not defending it. I'm saying I would not doubt it if, whatever. He's, he's I mean, maybe he's got a team that. But uh, from what I understand, though, well, I think on the same tour is suspicious. But but like, here's what I, I have. You there's videos I love where he like he go he he goes to, like the Nashville, the Country Music Hall of Fame, and he will like he'll protest because he's like. Yeah, uh, they have Florida Georgia Line in there. That's not real country. Like he's like, this isn't a real country I've hall seen thing. That. It's so, like that's hilarious because he's like he's yeah, trying no, to make absolutely. fun of you know. But but either way, it, it does suck when like popular country ruins the rest of, ruins country for everyone else. Like right. because like I the the song I always go back to is I remember sitting in a car with this family that my family was friends with growing up and they were big country fans. And I heard the song, She Thinks My Tractor's Sexy, like two or three times during like a two hour ride. And I was just like, I hate country music. Like that, that made me hate country music. And then when I was in high school, got into like Johnny Cash. And then that's like, makes you start liking it. But it's like, it takes a while to get like, because I think growing up in the South, did you feel like you were just kind of like bombarded with country music everywhere you went? I'm, you know, not really. I mean, my parents didn't listen to, I think, I guess to some extent, but it's it's like you, you just get over the cringiness, or I guess you just accept the cringiness. Maybe like growing up in like a small town in Alabama just made me just accept the cringe country, like just as a background noise that I don't even think about. But like, it's like a national thing too. I remember like 
when I was like, when I was on a youth mission trip. Here you go. Um, some people were like listening to country music and someone in our group said, I can't believe y'all listen to country music. And because they just, we got out of the state and then they just felt like they had to put it on so much more, you know? And it's like, but it, it's insane. That, I mean, it's, it's, it's insane that like, there's so many, there's so many levels to country. And I'm, I'm really always into like the alternative, like the indie country thing. That's, yes, like, absolutely. Uh, you know, and like, uh, roots mm-hmm. folk stuff is like always better in my mind well i remember back in like in high school me and my friends really got into bluegrass like we we really got into old crow medicine show for a while and we were like listening to a lot of stuff that but it was like it was like outlaw bluegrass because i remember really liking old crow medicine show songs like uh their song like i think it's a cover from like the 30s probably but they did a cover of cocaine habit songs that were basically about it was like they were singing like real hillbillies as opposed to being like we're going to make some like bluegrass music that's about, you know, just how beautiful, you know, the rolling hills are and shit. It's like, no, sometimes it's just about, I think that's what I enjoyed about what, what Wheeler Walker Jr. did for me was he gave me a level of extremity in terms of like what he's singing about and, and everything that he's talking about. Um, that made me go, Oh, that's what I like. I like country music. That's more honest. And so then I was like, Willie Nelson is great country music that's honest or, you know, these obvious ones like Waylon Jennings, Waylon Jennings, or I mean, even Johnny Cash is one of those. But then you start kind of diving into like the people from today that are, like you said, the alt country or the indie country. And I think you even mentioned kind of making some psychedelic music. I love psychedelia in country. It is like the coolest mixture of music that you would never expect. My buddy is in a, uh, they're called, his band is called Sci-Fi Country. Nice, yeah. nice. And they are sci-fi country. Yeah. But like some punk punk aspects as well. So, well, something about um, steel guitar, slide guitar, like it it, it can be very uh, kind of cosmic sounding. It almost sounds like a theremin, you yeah. know, kind of, which I mean, theremin is used often uh, uh, in, you know, psychedelic kind of country music. I've heard it used to kind of have like a UFO sound. I like tried to I, I play with a pretty good amount of pedal steel musicians mm-hmm. now which is really cool and also like theremins like there there'll be theremins around um but yeah i've i've tried to do like like i've tried to do like my indie stuff on acoustic guitar with a pedal steel and it's trippy yeah. it's very yeah. trippy um and it's like just adds so much like I love pedal steel. Yeah, no, me too, dude. So we're gonna backtrack a little bit because the way I usually start interviews, and I did not really do that this, you know, this time around, not very well, is uh, I like to know, uh, I like to know like where you're from originally. I know this, but I want you know, to talk about it. Where are you from originally, and how did you first get started playing music? Oh, you know, I uh, I'm from Prattville, Prattville, and uh, I kind of. My faintest memory is that in the fifth grade, I thought I could sing, but I knew I couldn't dance. And so I had to learn to do something with my hands. But also, like, I really just listened to a lot of... It just seemed really cool to be in a band, you know? And uh, objectively, my mom got me into the Beatles. 
Um, and then from the Beatles, I got into the All-American Reject. uh, (laughs) What a leap. (laughs) And oh, you gotta keep it strong, move along. And uh, from there, I got into Guns N' Roses. And I had a couple of leaps. That is an interesting leap that you kind of went, you went like, it's like way back in the past, way forward, and then like kind of middle between those two. The Beatles as like, in like, as a kid in the early 2000s, sounds so crazy. Dude, uh, did you, okay, so what was the first Beatles CD that you, because for me, my mom had a couple copies of the Beatles 1. The Beatles 1. And that's, my mom, because the Beatles 1 came out in the year 2000. I remember this because... When I was a kid, I'd never really listened to the Beatles, and uh, and I was six or seven in the year two thousand, and uh, and I remember seeing the commercials. It was infomercials all the time for the Beatles one. It was like their twenty seven number one singles, you know. And my mom ordered a couple copies, and I got like a CD player in like two thousand one or so, and I would just like borrow it. And the Beatles one is a phenomenal CD to listen to. It doesn't really have the weird stuff on it though, but that was the first one you listened to. Yeah, I. Uh... I remember the Beatles one very specifically. In fact, I, the YMCA, they had us draw our like favorite album and I drew the Beatles one. Nice. And, uh, coach Susan loved that. Coach Susan talked to my mom about it, Uh, (laughs) but shout out to coach Susan. Um, but yeah. And from just like something really cool about the idea of being in a band for sure. And like the, you know, the Naked Brothers Band, you know, you know, like seeing that on TV and being like, yeah, yeah rock and roll, like fake TV. Um, yeah, like, right. Um, but um, yeah, that's kind of where it started. And then like, I didn't really play anywhere in high school because there's no place I could play other than like the Mellow Mushroom. And the Mellow Mushroom yeah. was not great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that's, I, I've now roasted that in two podcasts. Take that, Prattle Mellow Mushroom. I mean, it, it was it was kind of the same down, way. Knocked off your eye horse. Back when there was a Shakey's in Auburn, uh, Shakey's Pizza, that was kind of the same thing where they would have like an open mic. and I remember Shakey's. Yeah, and my brother, you know, and his friends would sometimes play at the open mics just because it's like, unless you're unless you're a college student like wanting to play music in Auburn or something, and then it's going to be like acoustic. It, it was still covers at this open mic, but... You know, in, in Auburn, it's a little bit different, you know. It's like the first time I went to a DIY show in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. I was like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. You know, and like people like, it's so cool that like scenes have that for like high school kids to go play in a Oh, band, yeah, yeah. You know, that's like huge, like instrumental. Yeah. Instrumental. Nice, nice um, pun. But like... The fact that I didn't have that and I still kept playing music is awesome, you know, and that I got to see some of that. And like, you know, it's crazy, like, just thinking about it. So uh, something that I feel like you've probably, you might have talked on another podcast about this before, but I, I, I find it to be an interesting subject just because, I don't know, a lot of people may need to hear this or talk about it. You, um from what I understand, I guess you are at uh, about two years of not drinking any alcohol, right? A little more than two years. Nice. Yeah. Like uh, two mo- two years and two months. My main question is about the effect that you feel like that's had on your music. Uh, not even necessarily in terms of like 
you know, you don't have to give me like hard cause and effect type of things, but if there's any, any little thing like that you've noticed with just not drinking, you know, and, uh, and playing music, is there anything that you have to speak on with that? Uh, yeah, I guess, uh, the biggest change is just having the time to play or feeling like you have the time because you're not just wasting your time, you know? And I kind of felt like I spent a long time wasting my time. And also like, I guess to a certain level, I feel that the music is more uh, natural uh, because I'm not blunting my feelings. And, uh, but I also feel like it, it has become less center centered in me and more outward, uh, uh, looking at things outward facing, um, my, my sound and a lot of my, uh, a lot of my songs. And I think that that's partly inspired by just being sober and not dwelling, uh, like I did, um, not feeling, um, uh, a certain level of drinking to cope is just a really sad feeling and it contributes to really lame sad music. And not that my music has is lame but you know, not lame uh, but, like, uh, but, but it, it, you get tired of feeling sorry for yourself and, and your sound, you know, and I don't feel sorry for myself anymore. That's awesome, dude. I mean, I, uh, do you mean when you say outward focus, do you mean like, uh, I don't feel like I'm just writing. I mean, so I am writing about me, but I'm not writing about me either. I'm like a, addressing situations that are more common because I'm more in tune with my feelings in a way that I wasn't. Well, it sounds like too, just in general, from what you're telling me, alcohol, or at least you feel, you know, in some way that it was making you less aware of others or less uh is, is that what i'm hearing or is it i, I that's a certain aspect of it a, a certain i guess another level of that is just is not even about drinking it's just about um growing into like being self-aware you know and i guess i've always been pretty self-aware but um getting to a point where you don't feel like um you have to um beat yourself up over something or like um, a lot of my older work feels like it's like listening, like listening to shit coffee. There's a line in it where I say, shouldn't have gone drinking all by myself. I didn't have anybody else. You know, I was just drinking out by myself. And in hindsight, you see these red flags that you weren't allowing yourself to be aware of, you know, mm. because it's too hard. It's too hard to like pick apart. You know, you want to pick it, you want to pick everything apart to some extent and then you want to numb it. And, uh, it feels good to not feel numb, mm -hmm. you know, and to not feel numb to not be afraid of yourself. I felt like drinking made me afraid of myself. Well, dude, I, uh, from what you, we haven't had as much, you know, like interaction, I guess, directly like through the phone or anything as I would like. But, uh, which is, you know, part it's, we're both busy, but, yeah. uh, I was going to say through your social media posts, it, it does seem like you're in a better headspace these days Then seems like you're generally more positive. I yeah. mean, I can just tell that I think it was a combination of 
moving and uh, taking a step back from drinking. And, you know, there were several things going on in your life. I mean, also globally, I mean, COVID was happening at the same time that all of this was happening to you. So it's, and I mean, there are all these historical events happening too. So I think that it was just like a time-wise, it was like a perfect mixture of events that kind of led to you finding, like you said, having a little bit of a, a revolution within yourself, which is pretty cool. Yeah, you know, I mean, thank you. Yeah. I, uh, you know, it's not always easy and I still struggle with a lot of things, but like it doesn't feel like I feel like um, hopeful in a way that I didn't feel before. And uh, that influences my music, obviously, in like a hopeful way. Um, but, it, you know, it's still to a level depressing, you know, <laughs> which I guess is anything. But I mean, like, yeah. I feel like I can like um, explore in a different way. So that's probably how it's really affected my music. Dude, that's awesome. I mean, uh, I think in a way, though, and not that uh, you never want to look back at your life and realize that you didn't grow at all or you didn't change at all. Yeah. So I was going to say, even though you might have like everybody looks back at, you know, times, especially when you're in college or young or something, when you're and you're like man, I was kind of an idiot back then, or I, uh, and sometimes being someone who creates things like music, you have even more of a, like a way to put yourself back in that, in that nostalgic headspace, just by listening to the song you made when you were at that age or something like, or reading the lyrics or something again. Um, so I'm saying that like anybody, you might look into your past and, and look at things and go, oh man, like I regret doing this or I can't believe how much of an idiot I was, but that's a good thing to be able to say I'm different now than I was in the past. So congrats. Like, you know, they're just, I think you're on a good trajectory. Thanks. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's, you know, it's, um, there's also a certain level with moving where, um, moving somewhere far away, especially where people only know you as you are then. You know, mm-hmm. and there's not really a lot of opportunity to have preconceived notions, you know? Yeah. And, uh, but on a greater thing, you know, I, you know, then, and this got me thinking about that. Um, my brother asked me if I felt, you know, we had, we played at Saturn and it was, <laughs> that's really, right. I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah. It was really fun. Um, just really more than I, I even could have like felt like imagined it could have been, yeah. you know? And, uh, my brother asked me afterwards if I felt like, Birmingham didn't appreciate me before I left. And uh, I told him, no, I didn't appreciate me. You know? Yeah, no, I, I totally get that, and dude. And I, it wasn't like, it wasn't like uh, something that people were, you know, it wasn't even, it was these feelings that I like had internalized to such a great point that I couldn't acknowledge them or accept them. And uh, it, it's like the power to change is in you at all times. Yeah. Well, dude, um, I think we're probably going to wrap uh, things up from here, but I wanted to ask, uh, do you have anything that you want to promote uh, or like just tell people again where they can follow you online or anything like that? Uh, you know, um, Instagram at Wilk the Artist, W-I-L-K, the artist changed from our band name, yes. Wilk the Band, yes. to Wilk the Artist after we broke up. And, uh, <laughs> broke up, I think broke up. We, we moved to different places. Yeah. That's, you know, it's, uh, anyway, it's kind of hard after Peter broke up the band with his need to pee. 
Oh, uh, yeah, um. <laughs> yeah. We, we broke up because they need to find a new drummer because I had to pee. We had much. to find a drummer with less with less pee. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, check out Up From Here. It's on everything. It's on Spotify and um, uh, everything, whatever else the internet has to offer. Um, and keep a lookout for new songs. Awesome. Well, uh, you guys can follow Psychoactivision on TikTok and Instagram at Psychoactivision. You can check out Psychoactivision Presents on uh, our YouTube channel or Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. Alex, it's been a lot of fun having you in. And um, I mean, I hope we can, uh, you know, maybe sometime in the near future, once you've had a new record out, we can have you back on or something and talk about it. Absolutely. Awesome. Thanks, dude. Been nice. Nice.